Many guides, uh, if you've got a problem, there's a guru out there telling you how to fix it. Uh, and I've been reading an interesting book this week uh, called The Gospel of Wellness, uh, Jim's Guru's Goop and the False Promise of Self-Care by Rena Raphael. And it's, um, it's a really interesting book. Uh, Rena's a Jewish lady. She used to be a, a, a wellness and lifestyle kind of writer. She was right into it, um, but she's turned against the industry as she's realized that um, for all the good of trying to seek a healthy lifestyle, uh, it can sometimes become uh, almost a religion in itself, uh, full of promises to all of life's problems. Uh, if there's a problem, someone is selling a wellness cure for it. Activated charcoal toothpaste, crystals, oils, supplements, these all line the kale-covered road to wellness. She says wellness uh, it was like her religion, and so it guided her as she pursued it. Uh, I've got a couple of quotes here. She says, My life was consumed by wellness. It determined how I spent my weekends, picked where I vacationed, directed which restaurants I frequented, and prescribed my natural medicines. Um, so her life was being guided in pursuit of this kind of ideal. She says, The average wellness devotee believes adherence to popularized methods can overcome sickness, unhappiness, even death. A strict overhaul of diet, movement, and thoughts is hailed as the new Messiah. In wellness, it seems, we trust. Uh, and you can, see, you can see what she's getting at, right? And you can see this as you look around. Uh, in this and in many other areas, people do the same. They, they find themselves being guided through life by something like this. Well, by contrast, David in the Psalms, uh, he is guided by the scriptures. Uh, and, and today's Psalm is very much his manifesto in that. Uh, he describes the wonder of walking in God's way, being guided by the word. Verses 1 to 3, David, he sets out this kind of grand vision, his ideal for this wonderful way. Uh, and what's he promising? Well, let's, let's read verse 1. He says, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the Lord's instruction. Uh, happy, blessed are those who walk in this way. It's a bit like the Beatitudes at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, isn't it? Uh, you know, blessed are the poor and so on. Verse 2 begins the same way. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Happy are those who seek. It's the one who walks according to this way, according to the instructions, who are guided by God's law. They are the ones that are happy. Uh, and the law here, uh, God's word, is the guide. The scriptures are the guidebook, giving directions. But do you notice how um, he's pretty optimistic, isn't he, in these first three verses? You notice how uh, you know, he's saying, uh, blessed are those who uh, are blameless, who seek with all of their hearts, who do nothing wrong. David, is, he's setting the grand vision. If, if we could do this, we would be happy and blessed. The one who does this is happy and blessed. If only that was our way. <clears throat> David, um, he, <laughs> he kind of says, if only. If only this was me, if only I could. Uh, he kind of crashes down to the reality in verse 5. Uh, verse 5 says, If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. If only, laments David. And as I say, it's kind of this uh, reality hits home as he looks at his life, as he looks at his record of commitment to the word, to the way of the word. Um, the second half of verse 5 says, If only I was committed to keeping your statutes. 
See, David, he thinks of the sin in his life uh, when he's lost his way and he feels guilty. If he could just remain committed, remain pure, uh, verse 6, then I would not be ashamed. And of course, we can all relate to this. We feel guilty, we feel ashamed um, as we think of how we've been wayward sometimes, as uh, we contemplate the sin that we see, as we, as we wish he hadn't gone down that road. But if we are to keep to God's way, if we could keep to God's way, we, we would not be ashamed, would we? This is what David's saying. And often for Christians, sadly, it's, it's tempting not to think about God's commands for this very reason. You know, we read his word, it becomes painful. It, it convicts us, it becomes painful. There's shame there. You know, you ask yourself, how am I going at being committed to God's way, to God's commands? It's painful to be asked. I was uh, grabbing coffee with a guy this week, and he said, it's a bit like when you go to the dentist and they ask, have you been brushing your teeth? Uh, and I've been dodging my dentist lately, I have to confess. Uh, it's not going to be good. Uh, and to make matters worse, my dentist is my uncle, so it's... <laughs> uh, but I'm dreading what he's going to say as he peers into my mouth. I'm, and I, I cringe with embarrassment as I recall some of the, the feeble excuses I've made in the past. Uh, <laughs> last time I was there, I remember this conversation I, I was having with his dental hygienist. I insisted that I floss regularly, and the dental hygienist said, Really? And so I doubled down. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty regular with it. Uh, she's, oh, is that so? She said, kind of looking very doubtfully uh, at the x-rays of all my cavities. I was ashamed. And I'm actually, I don't want to, we actually have a dentist here in the room and I, I can't make eye contact. <laughs> well, this is kind of verse six for David. He's ashamed as he thinks of, of what could be of this grand vision of walking blamelessly in the way of the Lord. So the question is, how can we uh, keep the way? That's the problem David has. He asks, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? How are we going to set down on this path? Uh, we all walk one way or another, but how can we remain pure on God's way? Um, how can we live out this grand vision? Any solution uh, comes in the second half of the verse, verse 9. It says, by keeping your word. The key is God's word, keeping God's words. Uh, verse 10, he talks about seeking the word. Verse 11, treasuring the word. Verse 15, meditating and thinking about your word and your precepts. The tool God's given us to walk the way is the word, the scriptures. You literally hold the key in your hand, uh, or maybe some of you on your laps I can see. Psalm 119, it's, it's a pretty long psalm. It's ridiculously long, and it's all about this subject, delighting in the word of God in the scriptures. And the summary, I think, of it all is, is uh, um, verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. That's really what the whole thing, the whole 176 verses are all about. The question uh, that David's asking, it isn't how can we be saved, how can we be justified? Uh, that's not what we're talking about. Um, the, the only way we could ever be blameless is uh, through Christ's blameless life. He gives us his righteousness. That is ultimately how we are blameless. But that's not what David's talking about. He's saying, how can I remain on the path? How can I live a life that's pleasing to God? How can I remain pure? And notice verse 9 says, uh, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's the language of Proverbs. This instructing the young person as they set out. And who is the teacher? 
Who is our wise, loving instructor in today's life lesson? Well, it's none other than Jesus himself. This is what we learn about the Psalms as we look at all of Scripture. So Psalm 78, verses 1 to 2 says, My people, hear my instruction, listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. And so the the psalmist is saying in this, and uh, to cut a long story short, Jesus uh, is preaching in the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel, and then this is said of him. And so we know that the voice of wisdom from the beginning of time was Jesus. This is what we learn. He is that teacher, that wise teacher, was the Messiah who made and saved the world. He is the voice of wisdom on every page of Scripture. And so our teacher, this voice of wisdom in our psalm, Jesus, he asks, how can we keep the way? He says, meditate on Scripture. If Jesus, uh, the question is, is Jesus qualified? Is he qualified to give this advice? I mean, what does he know? Didn't he just use his magical powers and, and not sin? Well, we, we're told more than that about him. Uh, in Luke 4, we're given a, a very precious account of this, where, where Satan tempts Jesus three times. Uh, and, and three times Jesus pulls out scriptures from the Old Testament. He uses the scriptures uh, to defeat Satan, to, to defeat the tempter. Uh, and to remind himself of the right way to go. Rather than being directed by the tempter, Jesus was directed by the word and kept his way pure. I think we're given that as an, an example of how we use the word to keep our way pure, to walk on God's path. And the account uh, in Luke ends uh, 4.13 by saying, After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. So Jesus won, devil zero. Got him again. So it works. Scripture is an effective tool. Uh, Ephesians 6, of course, calls it the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, we are told. Uh, it's our tool, our weapon, to keep our way pure against the tempter. And we all want to be close to God. We all want to be living to please Him. And the tool that we are given to do this is the Word, is the Bible, the very things you hold in your hand. And so we need to be uh, saturated in it, saturated in the Word. This is what's going to do it. Um, famously, there's a, a great vision set by Charles Spurgeon. He's talking about John Bunyan, and he said, very famous quote, Prick him anywhere, and you'll find that his blood is bibbling. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his soul is full of the Word of God. It's a great vision of a, of a man of God. Uh, and that's what, that was Jesus, right? The devil came and tempted him, and Jesus, for every occasion, for every temptation, Jesus, he knew the word, and he threw it back at the devil, and he, and he kept himself going straight. And uh, it's just a great vision of being saturated in the word. Like, if, if you pricked me, I think I'd probably beat a, bleed a little bit of Bible, but there'd be a bit of Netflix and YouTube in there too. Um, but Spurgeon sets a great vision. Um, and so that's David's solution. Be all about the word. Well, before I challenge you uh, to consider how you're going in this, let's look at David's description, um, uh, what I'm going to call the way of the word. It's verses 10 to 16. So David gives us a number of descriptions of how he saturates himself in the word so that it's able to direct his way. Uh, you know, verse 10, he talks about seeking the word. Verse 11, treasuring the word. Verse 13, proclaiming the word. Verse 15, meditating and thinking on the word. Uh, And verse 16, as we said, delighting in and not forgetting the word. And it's such a rich picture. Uh, Let me 
There's so many things in these verses, it's very tempting to go through them all. Um, let me just pull out three things that we see really clearly. Um, the way of the word, it, it actively seeks the word. You see, David's active in seeking out the word. Um, they're practices, uh, and it's, it's present, it's active. It's not something he did in the past. So verse 2 says, Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with all of their heart. It's a seeking. He doesn't say, I once learnt it, and so now I have it. No, it's ongoing. He seeks. Verse 2, he clings to it. He rejoices in it. Verse 14, it's active. He meditates on it in verse 15. And so the word, you see, it doesn't magically appear. Uh, It's not a one-time thing. You have to seek it out. Seek out this direction to keep your way straight. And it's going to take effort, right? This is what you can see David's describing. This is his life. This is what he does. It's going to take effort, time, and commitment. It's going to take us away from other things. It's, it's something to do, something to put on the to-do list. It's an active thing. So that's the first thing to notice, the active seeking of the word. The second thing to notice about the way of the word uh, is the way David consumes the word. He lives off it. It sustains him. He's directed by it. Uh, it's fuel to remain true to the word. He, he wants to live uh, according to it in verse 1. Uh, as the path, you know, the path he travels on, it's continuous. And it's like he needs a bit of word for each step, a new word for each step along the road. As we eat food, you know, we have a good feed and it keeps us going for a while, but then we need more. And that's the way David talks about the word here, isn't it? That, that, that he, he feeds off it. At verse 15, he says, I'll meditate on your precepts and, and think about your ways. It's a constant feeding uh, because the word, it's something that we need reminding of. Verse 16 says, second half of verse 16, I will not forget your word, which I assume implies you can forget it. Uh, if you don't do these things that he's talking about. Um, it's like going over something. You know, you, you're cramming for an exam. Yes, we can have a big download and we can cram, but we all know it doesn't really sink in. You have to go over things. That's just the way we're built. And that's the kind of uh, thing that David is describing here in this psalm. The psalmist, uh, he doesn't get his fill of the word when he was a boy and now he's good to go. It's not like he committed himself to God, uh, and then from that point on he was set. The word doesn't work that way. You can't possess it that way. Um, you know, you can memorize a little bit of it, but once you have it, you need to keep going back for more. It's, the, it's something you access. It's external to you. It, it's objective and it's out there, and you can access it and be directed in your life. And the psalmist, like all of us, he needs to live off the word, and we need to be constantly pouring over it, continually returning to it, consuming it. We live off it as we live by it. And finally, then notice the way of the word. Uh, treasures. He treasures the word, doesn't he? Uh, this is about value. So verse 11 says, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. The word means more to the teacher than gold or silver. Um, it's his greatest love. He values it. Verse 14 says, um, I rejoice in all the ways, uh, sorry, I rejoice in the ways revealed by your decrees as much as all riches. And this is the thing he rejoices in, um, above all riches. Such great value, such high priority he places on the word in his life. And this treasuring of the word, he says, is is, um, key to remaining pure because the high value that the word occupies means he won't go against it. 
And that's the logic of verse 11. See, verse 11 says, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. It's of such great value. It's his first love. So how can you do all of this? Uh, It's pretty simple, isn't it? (laughs) It's reading our Bibles. It's meditating on it, thinking about it. Uh, you know, you can you can do it on the train. Maybe you can do it on your when you're driving. If you're that, I struggle to do that. But people put on audiobooks. They tell me it works. Whatever it is, it needs to be soaking in to our hearts to change us, doesn't it? Um, we have to be regularly reading our Bibles. There is no other way to do this. Uh, you know, we can do it in our own personal quiet times uh, or when we read with family or friends. Um, we're doing it right here, aren't we? We're, we're pouring over God's word. We're thinking about it. We're meditating on it. Um, we, we do it at church. We do it in, uh, in Bible studies and gospel teams, don't we? That's such a great place. We get a passage and we, we, we wrestle with it like, <laughs> like dogs fighting over a piece of meat. Like we, What is this saying? What does this mean for us? It's a, the gospel teams, Bible studies are a great place to do that. Um, yeah, we, we, we think about it, and we think about how the word is going to shape us. And so the questions, uh, how are you going at this? How are you going at seeking out the word? Are you actively seeking it? Are you consuming it? Are you living off it? It's a, it's a great vision that he sets in the psalm. It's very challenging. Um, Surely he's saying you can't be estranged from the word and keep your way pure. Isn't that what David's saying? You know, if you, if you kind of flip it on its head, the opposite of his descriptions would lead us to getting lost, wouldn't they? So if we're passive, if we consume other things instead of the word, uh, if we don't treasure it and treasure other things with our time and money, isn't that, isn't that a recipe for disaster? Isn't, isn't that what he's saying? Our teacher holds out such a great vision uh, for the way of the word. And he challenges us. And so uh, I want to come back to verse 7 and 8 uh, and think about committing to the way, which uh, David does in these verses. Um, it, it's such a challenge. Uh, I want to ask all of you here how often you read your Bibles. I'm not going to make you tell anyone. Um, you don't have to write it down or anything. But how often do you read your Bibles? I want to think about this. In your week, is, you know, maybe you go to church, what are the? How often are you in the Word? How often are you thinking and meditating on these things? Uh, it's time for your checkup with Dentist Josh. Um, it's interesting uh, if you compare going to the dentist, brushing your teeth, with reading your Bible. Which is better? Uh, which is which is worse? Because you can lose your teeth, and it won't kill you. Uh, the dentist in the room is probably hating me saying this. Um, but not reading your Bible, it just, it just could uh, lead to the very worst. Because this remaining pure, it, it's reflective of how bad sin is. Um, sin is so bad in our lives. And so uh, to pick a, um, an extreme example of Jesus in Matthew uh, 5.29, it's just, I just find this so challenging. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body then your whole body be thrown into hell. You'll be fine without an eye. It isn't going to send you to hell. So if it stops you keeping God's way pure, gouge it out. It's so, it's so extreme. Cavities in your teeth, they're not going to kill you. Not getting all of your emails, uh, you know, not exercising enough. There's all these things that we've got to try and do in life. 
None of these things are going to send you to hell. But sin, letting sin loose in your life, well, it just might. The commitment of the Christian is to seek God. It's to follow Jesus, to walk in the way. And so wandering, wandering off the way, it's a serious problem. Verse 10 says, I've sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. And so that's, that's the attitude we have to have, seeking God with all our hearts. And the seeking, it's to prevent our wandering from God's commands. Well, our psalmist uh, commits himself to the way of the word. Uh, that's what, the, I mean, psalm as a whole really is that. But you see it very clearly in verse 7. It says, I will praise you with a sincere heart when I learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. So he's committing. I will do this. I will commit to this. I will commit to learning this. I resolve, you know, appropriately at New Year's. Uh, it's a resolution, isn't it? He's resolving to learn and keep the word. And so do you commit uh, to seeking with all of your heart God's word, his way in the scriptures. Oh, do you not have the time? Don't you hate it when people say that? <laughs> do you not have the time to read his word regularly? It's so important. Uh, this, we come to church, and I'm, I'm going pretty hard on this, but the, you know, your boss and all these other people are going hard on your time for all these other things we need to do, and I'm saying, you've got to put your time into this. It's really important. Uh, you could use the sales pitch. Can you afford not to? Can you afford not to? Can you really afford not to be doing this throughout your week? Do you really want to risk it? Do you want to play chicken with God like that? Do you want to risk wandering and losing your way? David is telling us how. Stay in the Word. Be regularly in the Word. Commit to reading the Word. We've got to help each other with this, don't we? Uh, ask each other how we're going. Encourage one another. Share how hard it is. Um, share the ups and downs. Uh, this year we've, we're going to do a bit of a Bible reading plan. We're going to launch it at the big day out. It's something you can join in if you want to. Uh, that might be helpful, but you don't have to wait till March. You can, you can get into God's Word right now. Well, uh, to end, let me remind you that you're not alone in this, uh, for there is help in the way, uh, finally. Because David talks about this throughout the psalm. The, he's, the basis, on the basis of his delighting in the Word, on the basis of his commitment, the psalmist asks for God's help. Um, and if you do seek out God's guidance, his help, he will help you. So verse 8, he says, um, I will keep your statutes, never abandon me. And, and so there's a commitment there and a request for help. Uh, I will keep your statutes, and now I ask that you never, you never abandon me. You keep me, God, because we're only able to do this by God's power, by his strength. So David asks for his help as he commits Doing it. Verse 10 says, I have sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. So it's the same again there. I've sought you, so don't let me wander. It's the plea of an honest seeker. I seek you, so keep me from wandering. The psalmist fears wandering, and so he seeks and he asks for guidance. For the way we begin the Christian life, is the way that we will continue it. We, we begin in humility, asking for grace and forgiveness for sin. That's how we're saved. And we continue in it the same way, asking for help to be free from sin. We appeal to God who is gracious to forgive our sin, who is gracious to direct our path, and who loves to, good give, uh, to give good gifts to his children. So why don't we uh, appeal to God and ask for his help now in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, you are our good and loving Father, and we appeal to you, help us. We all need your help. Lord God, we commit to seeking you out, to walking your way. Father, thank you for the tool of your word, which you put in our hands. Forgive us for how often we squander it, but help us to search it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to live off it, and to live by it. We need your help, Lord, and we ask you that you help us with our lives in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.